passage. Please stand for the reading of God's word. So that's Galatians 5, 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Well, you guys made it on time today. We have some first service people in the house for second service this morning, I imagine. I love the time change. I love this time change. I don't like last night's time change, but from here on out, I love this time of the year. I love the later nights, and yet the heat hasn't come yet. So, like, for me, this is, this is it right here. The next three or four months is right in my sweet spot. So you're going to get day point 2.0. 2. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be just <laughs> insane. It's for you, JC. Uh, so, you know, we're walking through this series on the spirit. And this month, uh, we're looking at his role in our, the big word is sanctification, just our journey of transformation, really, from the time we become believers to the day we die, the Lord has us on this journey of growing more and more to be like Jesus. And the Spirit plays the critical role in changing us and shaping us so that we become more like the Son of God. And so we're spending, really, the month of March to look at his role in this journey of sanctification. Um, we started that last week, and we talked about the Spirit's role in our thinking. We talked about what does it mean to have the mind of the Spirit. And I gave you a very simple analogy that our mind is like a room. And uh, there's messages in this room. And I invite us all to consider what, what is that room that we live in all day long 
Is it a life-giving space to be? Is it a critical space? What is it? And we talked about what the Spirit wants to do in bringing these core gospel truths into that room. Because we, wherever we walk, literally, we are always in the room of our mind. And so transformation needs to begin in the mind, uh, in our thinking. So today we're going to talk about now the Spirit's role, not just in our thinking, but His role in our living our actual daily lives. And the metaphor for today is another simple metaphor, not a room, but it is the metaphor of a walk, of walking. And I say that because that's Paul's metaphor. Look at verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. With the Spirit. So we're talking about walking, being led, keeping in step with the Spirit. And actually, the metaphor of walking is Paul's most common metaphor for the Christian life. And of course, they didn't have cars back then, right? You walked everywhere. And that is his probably the most regular metaphor he uses for the Christian life. It's a walking around. Uh, it's not a very sexy metaphor, really. Uh, it's pretty, pretty simple. But it's the truth is, How he's viewing it is this is our daily lives, the places we walk into every day. You walked into this room this morning to engage in in a community, to engage in worship. You're going to walk out. You'll walk into homes later on to engage maybe with family or friends. Uh, Tomorrow morning, some of you will walk into an office to engage in work, or you might walk into a coffee shop or into a gym or to school. But our walking is really the daily journey, where our actual lives are lived in the days that we have, in the moments of our lives. And what we're being invited to do is walk in the Spirit, that dailiness, to be led by Him, to keep in step with Him. He is our walking companion, if I can put it that way. He's our guide on this walking journey. And again, I was, I was thinking about the metaphor of walking. Um, and on the one hand, what a, what a just an ordinary metaphor. You know, like Paul, back then, he could have called it the, the chariot ride of life, you know, or I don't know, the, the, the theater play of life. But he's like, no, it's just kind of a walk. And I think there's something right about that. There's something entirely mundane about that, right? That, that's where our lives are lived in just the daily one step in front of the next, long obedience in the same direction. Occasionally, we have these mountaintop experiences. Occasionally, we go through these really deep valleys. But for the most part, life is kind of just a daily <laughs> walk, right? It's, there's not that much hype to it. Uh, and yet, what struck me is that in the ordinariness of our days, what an extraordinary truth to lay claim to, that our walking companion is none other than the spirit of the living God. Like as I go through my Monday and then my Tuesday, my walking companion is the same spirit who hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation and brought forth order in this world. The spirit who breathed life into that first human being and and, and brought life into the world. The, The spirit who who moved in Jesus to work all these miracles, who raised Jesus from the dead, who came at Pentecost, right, on those 3,000 people, those disciples. That same spirit is the one who walks with me all day long. What a profoundly extraordinary, unordinary reality to, to live into. And so I want to talk about that walk this morning with the spirit. 
Um, I'm going to stay pretty high level. We'll probably spend uh, probably two weeks in this passage, for sure another week. Um, so I'm just going to stay real high level today. I just want to mention three dynamics of this walk, this journey with the Spirit that, that I see in this passage. Uh, the first one uh, that comes right at the beginning of verse 13 is this. The walk with the Spirit is a walk into freedom. It is a walk into freedom. Look at verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. When the Spirit enters your life, you begin a journey into deeper and deeper freedom. Specifically, look at verse 18. I think this is the freedom Paul probably has in mind here. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It is a journey of freedom where we are no longer under the law. So I want to give you a visual for today. I know that's what the crowds want, and so I'm going to give you what you want. Um, I gave you a similar one uh, in December. I want to describe life under the law and then remind us that we have been freed from that because of the Spirit, all right? So um, here's the diagram. Here's you. Um, And this is actually, picture, this is your backside, okay? You're you're looking the other direction. Um, You are a sinner. You've got a sinful nature there. Uh, And this is life under the law. This is, again, you know, the Jews had received the Mosaic Law. They've been living under it for thousands of years, or hundreds of years, I should say. Um, But this is how you experience life. You're literally under the law. So I want you to imagine this is God's law. It's his set of commandments and expectations for how he wants human beings to live. God is up there. And we can imagine these are all these individual commandments that God has given. And what life under the law feels like is the law is always between you and God, right? So you always are looking at God through the lens of his commandments. And you're thinking, I've got to follow these commandments in order to receive his approval. He's always looking at you through the lens of his commandments and wondering how well is this person going to do at following this? And that can be an experience not of freedom because you're a sinner trying your best to obey these laws, but you kind of know I'm not going to make it, right? And, and it kind of feels like um, I, I've got to figure out a way to do my best. And when I do well, God's happy with me. When I don't do so well, um, he's probably disappointed in me. Um, that is life under the law, okay? Paul is saying, <laughs> when the Spirit of God enters your life, that is no longer your situation. You have been freed from that kind of reality, that kind of situation with God. And here's, I think, more along the lines of what he's saying. Now, I, I was thinking of Ephesians 2. This is the gospel here, and it, it uses our word walk today. So I wanted to bring this in. This is Paul's description of freedom. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, right? Not through keeping all those commandments. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by works of the law so that no one can boast. And then this is what struck me this week. For we are God's handiwork or God's workmanship. It's not about the work we can do. It's about the work that God does in us created in Christ Jesus, meaning we are new creatures when, when the Spirit enters our lives. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance, and then here's our word, that we should what? Walk in them. We are new creatures created for good works. God has laid out those works for us that we should now walk in them for the rest of our lives. So here's, I think, more the picture of freedom that Paul has for us. So we are, we are created in Christ Jesus. We are 
new creations, right? We're, we're told, that Paul says that. Um, God, instead, his, he puts his very own presence in us and his spirit is living in us and we are no longer under the law. All these good things that we could never do on our own are not above us anymore. It's like God instead lays those out like a carpet in front of us that this becomes then the road that we're going to walk, not as a way to earn God's approval, right? We already have that. His spirit is dwelling in us. We are sons of the king. We're daughters of the king. What he's laid out is this life of uh, this journey towards wholeness. It is his commandments, but now not as something that we have to achieve to earn his favor, but instead as simply our future. These are the things that we are going to walk into because his spirit is our walking companion. He is moving in us, working in us. God has prepared these things for us. This is simply the journey towards wholeness. It is the journey we all desperately want to go to, go on, that we can't do on our own, but that we can now do through the spirit. Not perfectly, of course, but this is where we're going. It is freedom. It is not living for God's approval. It is walking from his approval, right? We're not trying to get strive up somewhere. We are simply walking with the Spirit, moving into these works that God has prepared for us. It is a journey of freedom, all right? So that's the first thing that I think we can say about walking with the Spirit. It is a walk into greater and greater freedom. You are no longer under the law. The law is not above you. It's simply the road of your, it's your destiny. You will, you will begin to walk into God's commandments, not perfectly, but that's where you're headed. All right? So that's the first thing I notice. Uh, the second thing, though, feels almost um, like a contradiction to what I just said. It's a walk into freedom, but the second thing that is clear is the walk with the Spirit is a walk into conflict. Right? The minute the Spirit enters your life, you actually are now going to walk into conflict. And that's really, I think, the, the essence of what Paul's getting at in this passage. Look at verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And here's the conflict. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So when the Spirit enters your life, you actually enter into a profound conflict. There's these two characters. There's the flesh and there's the Spirit. And they have different desires. And those desires are in drastic conflict with each other. And we talked about the flesh and the Spirit last week. The the flesh is, we are born with, it's kind of the nature we inherited from our first ancestors. But it is that independent, prideful streak in us that wants to be in charge, that wants to decide how to achieve happiness that puts ourselves at the center and says, it's up to me basically to find happiness in life. That's, that's what the flesh is. And, and Paul lays out what some of the, when you live with that kind of motivation, what some of the, the acts of the flesh are. Let's, let's look at, there's a nice nasty list in verse 19. Um, take a look at this list. Um, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I, I actually thought that was interesting this week. You know, sometimes you think like, how do I know when I'm like operating in the flesh versus when I'm operating in the spirit? And I think Paul would be like, you kind of know. Like, it's kind of obvious. Um, and he's got this list of things. I imagine, um, hopefully you don't relate to all this list. Um, I'm guessing witchcraft, most of you know. Probably not, right? Um, hopefully orgies, most of us know. Um, uh, and then there's going to be parts of that list that you're like, oh yeah, that is totally me, right? I 
Uh, yeah, envy, yeah, drunkenness sometimes, right? Anger, yeah, selfish ambition, check. But this is how the, the, the flesh wants the, to, to walk in these ways. Um, I was noticing some of these things feel sensual in nature, like sexual immorality or drunkenness. There's a, right, a physicality to it. Um, some are just these deep internal postures, like selfish ambition. This is this posture. Most of them, I would say, are, are relational in nature. Anger, envy, um, provoking, envying one another. Right? This, the, the flesh impacts the community. When you get a bunch of individuals operating in the flesh and you throw them together in the same room, bad things happen. Okay? But this is the flesh. And then, of course, you have the spirit. Right? God's own personal presence dwelling within us, moving us from that place of independent, that independence, and I'm going to do this on my own, to this place of trust, of surrender, of God, I I trust you. I I want to live the way you want me to live. I mean, actually, the way you want me to live is the way I most long to live. And that, that posture plays itself out in what Paul calls fruits of the Spirit. And we know these fruits. Many of us have memorized this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, what's that list? Those are, those are character qualities of Jesus, right? I mean, that's, that's Jesus. That's who Jesus is. And, and I would say these are who we most want to be in our deepest selves, in our, our redeemed self. This, that's a description of who I long to be. It's also a description of who I one day will be. That's the road that I'm on in this, this journey. So you've got the flesh and the spirit. All that to say, to walk in the spirit is to walk into a conflict, right? Between these two opposing desires. So let's, I won't keep you on these scenes for too many times. This, I think this is a little bit too clean of an image of our lives in Christ. I think it's something more like this, Right? I think that's, that would be the, <laughs> the, the biblical theology right there. There it is. Um, in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Something radically different has changed. Jesus calls this the new birth, born again. Paul says, you are no longer in the realm of the flesh. You are now in the realm of the spirit. Uh, and yet we all know that we live in what Paul calls this body of death. And he'll talk about the, the misdeeds of the body. And what this is, I think, are these these um, relics of an old life, right, before Christ. These are these habituated uh, patterns of acting and thinking and feeling and doing. And just because we're new creations, the fact is we may have, we, these are habituated things that we've been doing for years oftentimes, and they die hard. And so I know the Spirit has entered my life, but hey, for 15 years I've been looking at porn or for 15 years, I've been pursuing money at all costs. Or I have lived in profound, with a profound desire for, to, be, to, to be seen and recognized as great. Whatever it is. Like these, are, these are built-in patterns of my life. I have lived this way for a long time. They don't just go away uh, when the Spirit enters my life. Meaning this walk is going to be a walk into conflict. And so what I'd love you to do right now is... 
why don't you just identify? Where is the conflict? Where are you experiencing the flesh-spirit conflict? Like, just look at the last week of your life. And actually take a moment to identify, yeah, this is where I'm, I feel that inner, mm, there's this tug. There's, there's this and there's this. Where is that for you? What, what is that thing? I, I really invite you to actually identify it right now. Take a moment, like, Man, the flesh and the spirit conflict is alive and well in this area of my life right now. What is that? Uh, in the midst of that, whatever you identify, uh, let me discourage you uh, and say that the flesh spirit conflict will be with you till the day you die. I think that's a biblical theology. That's accurate. That, that w- this conflict that we are engaged in the moment we become believers will not end until the day we die. That is discouraging. Uh, let me encourage you, uh, on the other hand, by saying, well, if that's the case, then if you find yourself in conflict right, right now, that might be because that's exactly where God wants you to be. And the fact that you're experiencing conflict isn't necessarily an indication that something's wrong. It might be an indication that something's right, that the Spirit is at work. He's drawing you. He's moving in you. It's hard. It's a battle. It's supposed to feel conflicted. You may be exactly where you're supposed to be. I mean, I know some people that before they became Christians, they actually would say life was actually easy. There wasn't conflict. I just did whatever I wanted to do. It was great. And I met Jesus, and now I can't do that anymore. It's, it's actually it's better, but it's harder. And I think, I think Paul's perspective on this and, the, and the, all the writers of the New Testament is, is this. On the one hand, um, there will always be conflict. And on the other hand, the Spirit has the upper hand in this conflict. And that's something that we need to be reminded of. I mean, look at verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He doesn't say, you know, walk by the Spirit and good luck. Right? He said, and then he goes on to talk about this conflict. There's a conflict. But you walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You are a new creation in Christ. The Spirit has the upper hand. Will you find perfection? No. But you can expect a life with the Spirit to be a life of ongoing and continued, slow, painful, but inevitable transformation towards more and more health and wholeness over time. That growth and transformation might look different than you expected. You don't get to decide how it goes. But if you have the Spirit of God living in you, yes, there will be conflict. But yes, you can expect the Spirit to do a good work in you over time. And I think some of us in this room need to hear that. Because I think for some of us, uh, we've come to a place where we, we feel like, honestly, I don't feel like, for me, that, there's, there's, that change is possible. Or even that it's necessary. Like, I prayed a prayer. I'm going to heaven. The rest is gravy. And there's some stuff in my life I mean, I'm 30 years and this isn't going to change. And I don't think that's Paul's perspective. He's like, no, the spirit is at work. You walk in the spirit and you will see change over time. And that's why I think partly why we need to, we need to regularly be talking to one another about how the spirit is at work in our lives. We need to hear, because when we get discouraged ourselves, we need to be reminded, oh yeah, the spirit's doing something in that person, right? The spirit's doing something in that person. That's why those of us that have been on this journey for 40 years, need to be with people who just became believers and be reminded that, that radical transformation still takes place today. And that's why the community is important. 
So all that to say, uh, the journey is, uh, it's a walk in freedom, but it's also a walk in conflict. And uh, let me leave you with this one. In the midst of that conflict, like, what do we do? How do I, what do I, what do I do? I mean, every day of my life, I'm going to find that, experience that conflict. Here, here's the last thing I want to say about this walk. Again, these are such, like, simple, high-level ideas today. Um, but I think it's really important. The walk with the Spirit ultimately is simply a walk into deeper intimacy with him. I mean, duh. But like, surely walk in the spirit, be led by the spirit, keep in step. Surely whatever else those things mean, mean that the journey of faith is a journey into deeper and deeper companionship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He is our walking companion. Um, How many of you have a walking friend? Anybody have any, like, you have a regular walk. Uh, it could be weekly or monthly, or maybe, a jo- maybe you have a jogging friend or a biking friend. I'll extend the metaphor a little bit. Um, but we're going with walking today. Um, I have a couple people who I regularly walk with, at least on a monthly or bi-monthly basis. Usually, um, usually if you're walkers, you tend to find beautiful places to walk, right? You don't, like, walk, yeah, down harbor or something like that. You know, you... <laughs> You walk on the beach, you walk on the boardwalk, you walk at Peter's Canyon, you, you go to El Moro and you, and you walk, right? Uh, and there's something beautiful, I think, about, about walking together. I find conversation can be a lot easier when you're walking together than when you're sitting facing each other across the table over, over a meal, which is also beautiful. Um, but for those of you that have had a walking friend over the years, it's really a pretty profound thing. And you think about, like, what you're doing physically, you're physically walking from one place to another, it's actually a perfect metaphor for what you guys are doing relationally, right? You're, you're, over time, you're actually walking through life together. And if you keep up that thing over the years, you will walk into some pretty interesting stuff. You'll, you'll walk into, you know, babies being born or, or people dying or health crises, right, or new jobs or new relationships. You, you walk with one another, but it's this really beautiful thing. You, you get together and you just kind of share what's on your hearts. And you, here's what's going on in my marriage. Here's what's going on at work. Here's going, what's going on with the kids. And, and you listen to one another and you grow in intimacy and in connection with one another. And really it, it's a simple analogy, but that's, that's who the spirit is for us. The spirit is our, our walking companion with whom we're invited to to just share our lives in the dailiness, ongoing every moment that we walk with him and we're invited to do that. And so my point being, the journey is just this walk in deeper and deeper intimacy with him. And so the the idea that I want to leave you with today is when we're engaged in the conflict and we're feeling the conflict, I think the first move we make is always or ought to always be the simple move, this is going to sound so basic, of inviting the Spirit into the moment, okay? When we feel that conflict, whatever else we're going to do, there's a lot we should do, but the first most basic move that so many of us don't do, the first move is, Holy Spirit, I'm going to pause for 10 seconds, and I want to invite you into the reality of this situation. And it's remarkable to me how seldom we will do that. And, and I, here, I'll just get in, I want to get you inside of my own kind of uh, thinking on this. So, so I want you to think, okay, 
in, your, in the actual moment of conflict. So you've identified a conflict already, um, but let's get kind of real, okay? So the flesh pops up, and you feel that struggle. What is it for you? Uh, it could be sexual immorality, right? Paul mentions that. So let's get just tangible. You're home alone. There's nothing but you and a screen, and the flesh kicks in and says, I really want to go to that site and look at some images, okay? You, I mean, it's there. It's real. You feel it. Um, or you are online, you're looking at your uh, Instagram feed, and you find out last night all your friends were hanging out without you, and you didn't know that was going on. And that envy, that, that insecurity is triggered in a moment, and you feel it, you know, profoundly. You're in a fight with your spouse. Uh, you've had this, you've kind of blown up at each other, and, and now you've, you've gone to separate rooms for a couple minutes, and in your mind, you're stirring, thinking about the conversation you're wanting to have with him or her next, right, or what you want to do there, and you're just in that place, okay? I'm just trying to get us to real moments. Uh, The day has been really hard, and you want to take that bottle of bourbon and and drink away the anxiety and the the stress. Whatever that conflict, in that moment, it is remarkable to me how seldom we actually just stop and say, Spirit, I invite you into this. Here's what, here's what happens. Here's what I do. We go back to this default, right? This is where we go. I'm under the law. I am feeling my sin right now or just the temptation. I haven't even done it yet, but I'm feeling this temptation. And so now it's up to me Uh, to improve myself. And I engage in this self-improvement project in the moment. And I think for me, what it is, is this. When we feel that temptation, um, that temptation is moving us towards something that is not good. And so we're already anticipating God's disapproval, right? Like I'm already feeling, okay, he's probably not excited about what's happening inside of me right now. So rather than than move towards him, because it's not fun to move towards disapproval, Right? That's never a fun thing. So instead, what I do is, okay, I'm, I'm anticipating God's disapproval. So I just start to, to almost unconsciously distance myself from him and then just kind of hunker down and white knuckle it and think, okay, I've got to, I'm going to do my best. And so the very moment where I need God's spirit is actually the moment where I start to subtly pull away from him, anticipating disapproval. And then it's just like, well, sometimes I make it and sometimes I don't. But either way, I'm doing it on my own. And how sad where the moment where I need him most is the moment I begin to withdraw. And then if I blow it and I fall into the temptation, then I did it in isolation, right? Now I'm stuck in my stuff and God's over there and now we're separated and now I've got to figure out how do I bridge that gap? And usually the answer is, well, I'll just wait a few days um, and maybe do penance or feel guilty or... I don't know, have a quiet time or something. And, and hopefully that will be bridged, you know, at some point. And, and Paul is reminding us in this passage that that is not your reality. You have been freed from that kind of life. This is your reality. Yes, that old remnants are there. But you have the spirit. He is your walking companion. He is there with you saying, I want to walk with you through everything. I want to be with you always. I want to be with you precisely in these moments. This is why I've been given to you. It's for this moment. When you're feeling your stuff, your junk, right? I already know that stuff. I know this is coming. I'm not surprised by any of this. This is the very moment where I'm here for you. And so what I think 
what we need to do is it's that first response of, I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to go to where I normally go. And Lord, I just want to invite your spirit into the full reality of what I'm, right now, this is what I want to do. Right now, this is probably what I'm going to do. I want to invite you into that. This is me. I, I can't fix this. I didn't, just, I didn't ask for this. This is just popped up. It's just leaking out of me. I'm inviting you into that. Do you have room for this? And I think the Spirit's like, I've been waiting for you to ask me that question all day. Of course. This is why I'm here for you. Abandon the self-improvement project. It doesn't work very well. The journey is a journey into deeper connection and intimacy. Exactly as we are. Change happens as we begin to experience love and affection exactly as we are. That's how we are transformed over time. I'll leave you with this quote. The journey to spiritual wholeness is found in an increasingly faithful response. I love that phrase. It's not found in white knuckling it, right? It's an increasingly faithful response to the one whose purpose shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from the crippling bondage of the prior journey, and whose transforming presence meets us at each turn of the road. So here's your invitation this week. Abandon the self-improvement project and walk in the Spirit. Take the extra 10 seconds in those moments just to stop and go, Spirit, here it is again. It's the 20th time today. I want to invite you into this, to the reality of where I am right now. And see what he does. Stay connected with him. So let's do this. Let's pray. And um, why don't we take a moment even to do that right now, just to invite him in to wherever that we're experiencing the struggle this week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that our journey with you is a journey into freedom. We all know that we all feel the conflict. Thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that we're your children. Thank you that you are for us in all things, that you're not against us. And thank you that you've given us your spirit, your very own personal presence to begin to shape us more and more into the person of Jesus, into the people that we, we truly long to be. And so we take a moment right now just to invite you in to an area of our lives where we feel the conflict. We feel weak. We don't feel like we have what it takes to win this one because we don't have what it takes to win this one. But we invite you in for your presence to be with us, for you to simply walk with us in the midst of our weakness, for us maybe to experience your grace again, your patience, and for us to stop trying and to start trusting 
and simply walking with you, keeping in step. Lord, would your presence be the grace we need uh, this week in this struggle. We invite you into the full mess of who we are to be redeemed by you, not by ourselves, in your timing, not ours, Lord. Amen.